Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Step It Up, Stay Faithful, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on January 22nd, 2017. Our God and our King. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to be here. Are you excited to be here? All right, I like the enthusiasm. We're excited. So grab your Bibles, uh, mark your place to Malachi chapter 2. You're welcome to use your iPhones, your iPads. We know that you won't be on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you're probably posting something about how wonderful God is, right? Not just looking at the newsfeed. Well, this morning, what I'd like to do is talk to us about commitment. It's a, it's a pretty powerful word when we think about it and if we kind of look at the definition of what it means to be committed to something. You know, a lot of times that word commitment is kind of a scary word for us when someone approaches us and says, hey, I'd like you to commit to something. Because inside, I think it speaks to us in the essence of understanding that if I am going to do this, then I am going to have to give to this. I'm going to have to be a a part of this. And I'm going to have to do some specific things to ensure that I follow through with the commitment that I've made. You know, as we look at Malachi, this book, this minor prophet, there's some major things that God is communicating in regards to our faithfulness, our commitment to him, our role that we play in God's kingdom. It was he, he addresses the Israelites, he talks to them about their worship, and he addresses their unfaithfulness in their worship to the level of he's calling them half-hearted. He calls them some very specific things that are kind of tough to hear. You know, in chapter 1, we learn that, that he says, if, if I am your master, why don't you fear me? As such, you know, there's an aspect of a half-hearted type of worship that, that we see in this passage. You know, God has entered into a covenant with the people. He has entered into this commitment and God has said, I am going to do some very specific things for you as a people. And I am asking you to do some very specific things for me as your father, as your God. So the question we have to ask ourselves, what was this commitment that the Israelites made? What was this commitment that they entered into? So if you would look at Malachi chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. So here's what they committed to. See, God says, my covenant with him, which is Levi, was one of life and peace. He says, I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. See, we see here God is showing them what he has committed to doing for them. He has given them and promised them life and peace. He has promised to give them instruction and guidance as they live out this life that he's called them to, that he's created them to live. But he's also asking them to do their part because we have to understand that when we do our part, when they do their part, there's a difference that it will make in this world. See, we see here in this passage that, that because of the covenant, because of the agreement, the commitment that was made, that there was true instruction that was just poured out from the people, from Levi, and that he walked in peace. And righteousness. And many, 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 many lives were changed because of it. See, lives are being changed because of this commitment, this covenant that that we see in the Old Testament, that we look to and we read about between God and his people. See, there's something to, to really grasp here when we think about our commitment. See, we have to understand that that God's part is very, very important and God is promised and he's faithful in all things, but we also have to know and understand that our part is just as important, important because we've made a commitment to God. 
See, what happens, what we see here in the book of Malachi is that they have committed to God. And they say it with their words. And they sing praises and they lift their hands. But truly, they are not fully committed. Truly, they are, they are only half-hearted in their worship. You know, we see and we learn that they bring God these perverted offerings. They bring God these, these second best type of offerings. And so their hearts and their lives aren't truly a reflection of a committed life to God. They are unfaithful in their worship. I want you to listen to what it says in Romans chapter 12. I want you to listen to these words because they're very important. It says in verse 1, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, as I I read that passage, I, I believe that this describes the commitment that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ should have. See, when we acknowledge God, when we enter into this covenant relationship, into this commitment with God, we do two things in this relationship. One, we acknowledge Jesus as our Savior. See, we say, I am a sinner. I have fallen short. There are things in my life that have been lived out in disobedience to who God is and what God wants for my life. And because of that, there's a price to pay. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. The price is death. But Jesus enters into the picture and he saves us. He takes our place on the cross. He sheds his own blood so that you and I can have life, so you and I could be saved. See, there's the covenant right there. There's the commitment. God offers his son his part of the agreement. And then the other part of that is that we call him Savior and then we call him Lord. See, that's the mark of a committed believer is that he is our Savior and our Lord. And that second part of it is our part. See, because when we say Jesus is Lord, that tells the world around us that we have submitted, that we have given our lives, we have presented our bodies, all that we are in our spiritual worship. See, the Bible talks about worshiping in truth and in spirit. What it looks like in this commitment, this covenant relationship that that each and every believer has entered into at the moment of believing. At the moment that we, we say a prayer and say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. I believe in John 3, 16. Because you loved us so much that you would give your only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, that's the commitment that you and I have made when we make that prayer, when we say that prayer. And it's not this, you know, follow this line here. It's a sincere act of spiritual worship for the God that created us. It's not half-hearted. It's not, well, I'll just take the saving part and we'll kind of push the Lord part aside. See, God wants all of us. He doesn't want half of our hearts. He wants all of us. See, this commitment is what every believer makes. And God says, I offer you forgiveness and in return, I want your obedience. I want you to call me Lord. I want you to worship me for the God that I am. And what's beautiful about this commitment, this covenant relationship that we enter into as followers of Jesus Christ is that it's so intimate. It's so personal that when God speaks, he speaks to me. When God speaks, he speaks to you. See, because God knows your heart. He knows exactly where you're at in your relationship with him. He understands what you truly believe and what you truly don't believe. 
See, because there's a lot of things in life that we believe in, but we really don't believe in them, do we? When I say that, because our lives aren't a reflection of that belief. And that's what what God is getting at here through the prophet Isaiah. He sends this message to these people. And as we read this passage here, as we look at it, what I want us to do this morning is to, to take a look at the unfaithfulness of these people and use it as a guide, as, as a learning tool to how we can become faithful in this commitment that we've made with God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. Thank you for the constant pursuit. Father, I'll be the first to admit that I failed you this week. Father, I I probably fail you every single day. But in the midst of that failure, we have Jesus. We have the reminder of what you've done for us because you love us so much. And regardless of our failures, regardless of the things that, that we do that are in disobedience, Father, you will never stop pursuing us. You will never stop seeking to draw us closer to you. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning as we look at the unfaithfulness of of people, Lord, that you would help us to understand how we can be more faithful to you. Lord, we, we look to you and we ask that by the power of your spirit that you would open our hearts, open our minds, and that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, I'd like to read just a few verses more in in Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 10. If you just kind of follow along, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, In verse 10, he says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughters of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we live faithfully in our commitment to God? I think the the first thing that we can see here is that we have to know God personally. We have to have an intimate, personal relationship with God. You know, if you hang out with me for very long, and kind of grosses my kids out at times, but I love my wife. I mean, there's no question. I I love my wife. I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. I apologize. It's dark. You can't see her face. But I do. I, I love my wife. See, the problem that I have, though, as an individual, the problem I have as as the, the, the humanity in me is that I don't always know how to love my wife. There's moments that, that she'll tell you that I fail in my, my commitment to love her like Christ has loved the church. And it's simply because I don't know how to love her. But in part... The reason why I don't know how to love her the way she needs to be loved is because I don't know her well enough. I don't take the time to get to know the things that she loves, the things that she desires, and the things that God is doing in her life. See, I believe it's the same way with our relationship with God. So we can say we love God, and we probably do, and it says it here in this passage. He says that he loves me. But at the same time, if we don't get to know God, we we don't really fully understand how we are to love God. So we have to know him personally. Listen to what it says in verse 10. He says, Have we not all one Father? Has not God, one God created us? Then why are we faithless to one another? Profaning the covenant of our fathers. See, he gets it. Very personal here. He's saying, your faith has been passed down for generation. The one God 
that created all things, Adam and Eve, and began there. He says, who do you call your father? Who do you look to for a personal, intimate relationship to understand the things that he has for you and the things that he desires for you? Whom do you call father? See, that same question we can ask ourselves because I think, I think if we ask ourselves this question and we answer it honestly, it will help us to examine our own hearts to see if we're truly moving towards this intimate relationship that God has brought us to, this covenant relationship, this commitment that we've entered into with the God that has created us. And then we have to ask ourselves, do we truly believe this? Do we know him personally? And because we know him personally, do we truly believe what God's word says about who he is? See, the Bible teaches us from Genesis to Revelation about God's love, about his grace. If you look at all of the minor prophets from Hosea all the way to Malachi, all you'll see is God's relentless pursuit of his people. They have profaned his name. They have dishonored him in so many ways. They have failed on a daily basis. But yet God still seeks to restore He still seeks to be intimate with them. The question is, are we going to do our part in this commitment? Are we going to get to know God? Are we going to move towards understanding who this God is and know him in such a personal way that when we go to to show our love for God, it's because we, we understand his love for us. I want you to look at the screen, what it says here in Deuteronomy. It doesn't say step it up. <laughs> Deuteronomy 13.4. It says, You shall walk after the Lord, your God, and fear him. See that term, walking after him, means to pursue him, to seek after, to understand who he is. And as you do that, you'll learn a reverence. You'll fear him and you'll keep his commands and you'll obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. See, in this covenant, this commitment, this relationship that God desires for each and every one of us, as we seek after him, as we come to understand and we get to know God, it changes us. See, we'll we'll have a heart to serve him and hold fast to him, to keep his commands, to to honor him and to glorify him and to come to him with a, a full and, and wholehearted worship with everything that we have, everything that we say, and everything that we do. It'll be all for his glory and not our own. See, we have to remember that there's some important things about this knowledge, this understanding of who God is. See, the more I know God, the more I want to love my wife. Because I understand his love for me transcends into my wife's life. The Bible teaches us that we are to to love our spouses like Christ loved the church. But we have to ask ourselves, how did Christ love me? Because I am the church. Church isn't a building. Church is a people. It's people that God has loved. How does Christ love the church? Well, what is the first thing that he did for us? He sacrificed. He gave it all. His body as a living sacrifice. And that's how I am to love my wife. In this passage, he says, why then are we faithless to one another? See, we have to realize that that our worship affects those around us. The life that we live affects those that we encounter on a daily basis. Because they're going to hear our words, but our actions are going to speak even louder. See, if we don't follow God's commands and obey Him and live a life that's reflective of that passage in Deuteronomy, we're not seeking after Him, 
and growing to know him? And how can we say we love him? It's a tough question, isn't it? How can we say that we love him if we don't open up our Bibles and read them? How can we say that we love him if we don't show love to the world around us? If we're not kind and compassionate to our own spouses, to our own kids, to, to the, the person that sits across from us at church that doesn't say hi to us? How can we say that? The Bible teaches us. Jesus says it himself. They'll know that you love me by how you live your life, by obeying my commands. If you obey my commands, that's how you show me your love. I want us to look at a passage in Romans 12. And I want to challenge you guys with this this week. And every week and every single day, I want you to look at this passage, and we're going to spend a moment on this, because I think it is so important here. See, this passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, give us the marks what it looks like to be a faithful Christian. So we made this commitment to God and we've entered into this covenant and our lives should be a reflection of that commitment. And it it explains it exactly here in Romans. It says, let your love be genuine. Is your love genuine? It says, abhor what is evil. That's a powerful word there. Disdain what is evil. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Be faithful to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. I like this one here. This is a tough one. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Put someone else's needs before your own. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve God. Give God your very best in every way. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You know, we started something at the first of this year, which I'm excited about, and I hope that you will eventually one day catch that same excitement. Because the Bible is very specific. It tells us don't be anxious about anything, but in all things, submit your request upon God. Give your request. Pray to God. We see in the Old Testament where God says, hey, if my people would just pray to me and turn from their sins, he'll do what? He'll heal their lands. And so what we've started here at Soul Rio, the first of every month, the first Monday, so it's easy for us to remember because I don't have a good memory. So I did it for myself. I put your needs in front of mine, just so you know. We started a prayer ministry from 6.30 to 7.30, one day a month. There's a few of us that gather together. I'd love to see all of you guys here. I'd love to see more people there at that moment than here on Sunday mornings, to be honest with you. Because it's all about praying together. It's all about putting God first in our lives. It's about doing what it says here. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And my challenge for us as God's people in this relationship with him is to look at these things that reflect Christian character, these marks of a faithful Christian, and be honest with ourselves. And say, hey, you know what, Floyd? You know what, God? I I fail in a couple of these. I'm faithless in a few of these. But you know what? I I know by the power of your spirit that you can help me. I know that you can change me. I know that, that you want to change me. And I want to do my part because I understand that all of this will make a difference in somebody else's life. All of this will lead somebody else to the faith and the hope and the love that I so adore, that I so hold on to in your son, Jesus Christ. 
See, if we know the one and only God and if we know that he has made us in his image and we have been created to be like him, to be a reflection of him, then wouldn't we display these things in our lives? Wouldn't we seek to know him, seek to live for him, seek to die to ourselves and become something different? I think that's what God wants for us in this relationship. He wants wholehearted believers that are fully committed, fully committed. So we have to realize that when we're unfaithful toward our commitment to God, we hurt people around us. It affects the world around us. You know, people look at Christians as half-hearted worshipers. They laugh and they mock us because they don't see something in our life that we talk about. They don't see us as any different. Even even the aspect of, of a marriage relationship. You know, our divorce rate in the Christian church is just as high as is outside the church. You know, we're not loving and encouraging the way we should. We're not showing people that we care about them. So we have to get to know God on a more intimate level. And the more we know him, the more likely we'll be to do the second thing. And that is just simply to commit to him completely. You know, I gave my life to Jesus officially and completely at about the age of 19. And I can say I gave it to him completely in the sense that I was ready to go on a journey and learn and discover how I should live my life to honor him. Now, I can't say that I gave it to him completely in the sense that I was completely different than I was the week before I did that. See, because there were still things in my life that that I had to wrestle with God about. I had to wrestle with God over. There was some specific sin in my life that, that honestly, I just did not want to let go. And honestly, I, I enjoyed. It was fun. See, but as I got to know God, as I opened up his word, as I I sought after him, I began to realize these things weren't so great after all, that God had so much more for me. I love how C.S. Lewis explains it, and uh, it's a great descriptive for me because I like to play. He refers to it as a child playing in the mud. How many of you like to play in the mud? Oh, come on. There's more. You know, admit your sin. Come on. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But kids love to play in the mud, don't they? They love to get dirty. It's so fun. Well, he he refers to it as the mud is our sin. And our sin is fun, and we love to play in it. But what we don't realize is that God offers an ocean. God offers something so much better, so much more wonderful. See, what we have to realize is that God has so much for us. He wants to show us, but we have to commit to him completely. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. It says, Judah has been faithless and abomination, disgusting things have been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughters of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. A half-hearted offering. See, God has witnessed his people be faithless. They're a nation that has turned their hearts away from God, and they feel like they have the right to bring him half an offering. See, God doesn't want half of us. He wants all of us. And when we commit to him, we have to understand that, that we have to commit to him completely. See, we have to be very careful that we don't become like the Israelites. We can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from the mistakes of the past. And when we come to worship on Sunday mornings, when we come to sing our praises, we should come with all of our hearts, with everything, I, I don't know, if, if I were to tell you to define the word worship to me right now, 
I guarantee you that, that we would have a, a plethora of, of descriptives. You know, we'd have so many people say, well, it's all about singing the hymns. Oh, it's all about, you know, the, the hill song and all the contemporary kind of stuff. You know, most people, when they think about worship, they think about singing and music, praise and worship. And I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm saying that we're leaving a whole lot of it out. See, because the Bible teaches us that we worship in truth and in spirit. How do we worship in truth? Well, we look at the truth and we celebrate it. We learn it. We understand it. And that's God's word. It's what the Bible teaches us. See, when we open up God's word on Sunday mornings or in our real links, in our small groups, in our women's ministry, in our men's ministry, we are worshiping God in truth. We are coming together. We are gathering to seek and gain knowledge of the truth of what God has for us. See, the Bible teaches us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The very beginning was the word, and the word was with God. See, we worship God in truth. We come, we sing songs, and then we open up his word, and we look at it, and we talk about it. You know, one of these days, I'm going to mix it up on you just so you know, we're going to have a bunch of tables in here, and we're going to have a big dialogue about God's word. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Because really, that's what we do. We worship him through his word, don't we? That's part of it. So it's song. It's scripture. What else is it for you? What else is it for you? I want to offer you this. It's also how we give. It's also how how we offer to God. It's what we offer to God. See, Jesus teaches us in the parable of the talents that God gives us something. Some of us have this much, some of us have this much, and some of us have this much. But the important thing that we have to remember is that we all have something. We all have something to give. And as an act of worship, we should always be seeking to understand how we should give. And I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your talents. And yes, I am talking about your finances. See, if God has blessed you, he has blessed you for a greater purpose than yourself. See, we have to give to God as part of our worship. That's why at the end of the service, every Sunday, we we pass the offering plates because we want it to be an act of worship. We want to sing God's praises and thank him for everything that he's given to us, everything that he's done for us. You don't have to raise your hands. But I want you to think, what, what has God given you this last week? I promise you, he's given you something. It may have been financially, it may be spiritually, it may be um, through something that's happened in your life. You got to eat. You got a new breath. You woke up this morning. God has given you life. See, God has given us something and we need to trust him with all of those things. We need to give to him completely and we need to commit to him completely. I want you to listen to how God addresses their unfaithfulness, their half-hearted gifts, their half-hearted mindsets in their worship to God. Malachi chapter three, flip over to that. Look at verse seven. See, God calls the Israelites thieves. In verse seven, he says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how will we return? What will we do? And he says, will man rob God? Yes, you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And here it is. He says, you have robbed me in your tithes and in your contributions. See, God is calling 
the people a thief. He says, you have stolen from me. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? Have you ever thought that you have robbed God of something? I don't know about you, but I haven't. (laughs) In my pride and in my arrogance, I, I haven't even thought about that. But if I'm honest with myself and I look at my life and the way I've lived it and the things that I've done, there's been moments in my life that I have robbed God. I hadn't given him in the essence of my offerings or my tithes and much less in my contributions to what he wants to do. Not only in me, but through me for the sake of others. See, God's telling these people to bring everything, to commit completely, to do all that is required, and he's telling them to do it so that he can bless others. Because people matter to God. You know, we matter to God. But we can't take the mindset that we're the only ones that matter. You know, I love how one pastor says it, and his name is Mike Cosgrove. And he has a financial ministry. And I just love the picture he draws. He does it so much better than I could ever do. But he says, we go to God like this. And we say, God, give me, please, I need. And God does. He blesses us. He gives us. But what's sad about that is the moment he gives us, we go like this. And we hold on to it. And we say, it's mine. And then when someone says, hey, will you give? Will you help? Will you participate? Will you commit wholeheartedly? Our hearts say no. Our hearts say, well, maybe, I don't think so. We, we change our posture. But then again, we need something. Something happens in our life and, and we need something. And so again, we go to God and we're, God, please help me, give me, help me. And God gives. God blesses. And we do this again. Let's not rob God of what's rightfully his. Let's be a different people. Let's be a church, a community that gives their time, their love, their resources in every way and any way that God requires. Let's commit to him completely. I want to challenge you with that. And I want to ask you, have you committed everything to God? And yes, I mean everything. And I don't apologize for asking you to give your money to God. I don't apologize for asking you to give your time and your resources to God. And not because I think I'm holy or mighty than anybody else in this room, but because that's what God commands of us. That's what he expects of us. That we would die to ourselves that we would be living sacrifices in every way. Don't rob God of what he desires. I want to offer you this as we come to a close. I think at times it's, it's hard for us to commit. It really is. There's just no question. And I think the big, big obstacle that we face is fear. You know, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but fear is a motivator. It motivates us to be inactive. It motivates us to sit in a chair and, and just keep it warm. It motivates us to stay out of the middle of something. And for whatever reason, which I don't have the answer to, only you do, it causes us to be immobile. It causes us not to, to fulfill the greatest of commissions, the greatest of requests that God has called us to, and that's to go out to all the nations, making disciples, baptizing in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God our Father, and teaching them to obey God's commands. I want to ask you this morning, are you afraid to commit to giving financially? Are you afraid because maybe... Maybe you're thinking, well, if I give to God, if I give as he's required, then maybe I won't be able to buy this or have this. What are you afraid of? See, God wants you to trust him in that. He promises us in his word. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. And I want you to read that whole passage in Matthew when you get a chance because it's not just about that one sentence. It's talking about all these things that the people are requesting and hoping for in their lives. 
And then Jesus just simply says, seek first God. Pursue him and all of his righteousness and he'll give you everything else that you need. He'll take care of you. He loves you. Trust him in this. I want to ask you, are you afraid to commit to gather together? Because people are weird. (laughs) People are weird. But are you afraid because you're just as weird as they are? (laughs) And you're afraid they'll find that out. Are you afraid to to open up yourself because people will see that maybe you just aren't as holy as you pretend to be on Sunday mornings. Maybe they'll find out that, yeah, you struggle with some things. Or maybe you'll find out that people struggle with things too. You know, that, that you sit amongst sinful people. See, Jesus was very clear. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick and the broken. And he commands us to help the sick and the broken. He said, if you love me, you'll love my people. If you love me, you'll help my people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to gather together in Jesus' name, to help each other, to encourage each other. And yeah, you're gonna see some messiness, but you're also gonna see some great victories. You're gonna see God at work in people's lives and you're gonna watch people grow and flourish in their relationship And as they fully trust and commit to one another, you'll see life change. But don't stand on the sidelines saying, hey, I don't see God doing anything. Get involved. Don't be afraid. Are you afraid that maybe God will ask you to do something that you just don't want to do? I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I'm mission-minded, all right? And uh, I've talked to our, our missions pastor about this. I'm very mission-minded. I, I want to reach people with the gospel message, but I want to reach them in my backyard. I want to go over to, to Starbucks or a coffee shop and look for an opportunity to, to share the faith and hope and love of Jesus Christ, the gospel message with them. That's how I am missional. But I tell you what, I don't want to go to Mexico. <laughs> I don't want to go to China. I don't want to go south. <laughs> I, I just honest, I don't. See, and, and at times I, I'm, I'm afraid that God might ask me to do that. See, we're afraid sometimes and it, it mobilizes us. It makes us not want to do what God wants us to do. You know, many of you are afraid of a bunch of second graders in the back room. <laughs> That's why you don't volunteer back there. And they are intimidating. They're as tall as I am, which isn't saying much. But they are, they're intimidating. But God's saying, commit completely. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do what I'm going to ask you to do because I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to prepare the way for you every step of the way. See, when we get to know God, we'll see that his promises say specifically that. That I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And if you're nervous and you're scared, come to me. Submit your requests. And if it's in accordance to my will for your life, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, at Sol Rio Church, for many years, um, we've, we've done membership classes. We've done classes where we bring people together and we ask them to commit to this body of believers in so many ways. Many of you have gone through that class. Many of you have, have sat down and, and listened to what we believe and where we think we want to go and what God's doing in our lives. We talk about faith and baptism and all those good things and we make a commitment. We sign a piece of paper. And this piece of paper points us to a commitment in our covenant to God, our part. I want you to look in your bulletins. You, most of you should have one of these. If you don't, there's, there's extras in the back. But I want you to just kind of look at it. And I want you to do something for me as we go away from here this morning. If you've already done this class, if you already, it hasn't changed a whole lot. We've changed it a little bit. But the essential, the foundational aspect of it, of our beliefs, what we believe as Christians God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Bible, all that good stuff, our essential beliefs will never change. All right? 
But what has happened over the years is our commitment has changed. Our faithfulness has changed. And sometimes it just simply takes us to sign a piece of paper to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to renew that commitment to you, God. And if you've taken this class before, then I want to ask you to sign this again. Look at it again. Fill it out. Put your name on the one side where it says name. You don't have to fill out all that other stuff if we already have it. But on this side, I want you to sign and say, you know what? I'm going to commit to you, God, and I'm going to give you everything. And if you haven't done this, if you haven't gone through this, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to put your name on the, on the top here. I don't want you to sign the other side, though, just yet. All right? You're going to put your name, and then one of our pastors is going to reach out to you, and we're going to talk to you about what it means to be a committed partner of Soul Real Church. What it means to, to walk with Jesus together as a body of believers to encourage one another on this journey. So that together we can come and we can worship wholeheartedly. So we can give God our very best and learn and discover the things that God has for me in my commitment, in my service to God. I want to ask you to do that for me this morning. I want to ask you to, to commit to God, get to know Him, take that step of faith and know that there are going to be some things that you just don't want to do. But God will help you. He'll, he'll change you. He'll encourage you. And he'll remind you of the importance of everything that he has for you in this lifetime. I want us to look at one last passage before we go. Because I want you to find your joy. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 8. I want you to find your joy in worship. 2 Corinthians 9. I'll give you a minute to turn there in your Bibles. It'll probably be up on the screen. See, the point of all of this, it says in verse 6. It says, the point of this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I want to ask you this morning, let's, let's sow, let's sow bountifully. Let's give everything that we have to God. Let's trust him in everything together. And we'll watch and we'll see that God will create a harvest. He'll open up the floodgates and we'll see him do some amazing things. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love for us, the grace and the mercy that you've given us. You've given us so much. Lord, you've loved us in ways that, uh, honestly, we don't deserve to be loved. You've given us things that, honestly, we could have never earned on our own accord. Lord, we want to be wholehearted worshipers. We want to give up our lives for everything that you desire from us. Lord, I pray that this morning as we think about these things, as as your spirit speaks to our hearts, Father, that you would help us to identify those characteristics of faithfulness, those areas in our life that, that maybe we're holding back from because we're afraid. Maybe we have a fear or maybe it's just because we're just being selfish. We're just being selfish and we're just looking after our own good and we're not looking and thinking about the good of others. And so whatever it is, Father, I pray that that your spirit would just convict us. And Lord, that you would challenge us to step out in faith, to be completely committed to you, to get to know you more, to understand this great love that you have for us and this relationship that you've called us to. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't taken that step to follow you, to to live their life for you, Lord, that, that they don't know you as their Savior, I pray this morning, wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting right now, I want to ask you, just simply, this, there's no fancy prayer. I want you to just simply cry out to God and say, Father, I realize that I've sinned against you and the wages of that sin is death. But Lord, I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. 
I don't know him very well, Father, but I know and trust and believe that he died on a cross so that I can have forgiveness of sin. And not only did he die, but he rose again on the third day. And he proved to us, he proved to the world that there is life and there is victory over death. And because of that, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that I surrender at this moment, at this time, right here and right now to seek you as my Lord, to pursue you, to understand and grow in the things that you have for me as someone that you love and care so deeply for. Father, I pray that that you would just continue to guide us as a church, as a body of believers, so that as we grow in our giving, as we grow in the way we live our lives and we honor you, that we would seek to honor others, that we would help one another, that we would gather together and that we would seek to gain insight from your word so that we would help each other and encourage each other. Father, you have so much for us and yet we're withholding Father, forgive us for that. Wash us and make us anew. Give us new life, that life that's more abundant, Father. Help us to see. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. And Father, we give you glory and praise for all that you will do in the coming days. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, We're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.